Hi, everybody. I'm Gus Johnson along with the governor. He says he got all his genes from his mom. From his mom. A lot of nylon. A lot of excitement in the air. Yes. And we're ready for college basketball. College basketball. Oh, oh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to week 15 of the Big East Barroom. Happy February 20th. Happy President's Day to all those who celebrate. Ryan, name your five least favorite presidents. Least favorite. From alphabetical order. You're going to really offend some people here. George Washington. Yep. John Adams. Yep. Thomas Jefferson. You're just going in order, Ryan. Yep. <laughs> so you don't like the beginning of our country. Tyler, how are you celebrating President's Day? Got the day off of work today. There you go. Massive. I was told that you had Lincoln's birthday off, though, too, last week. Yeah, state of Connecticut right there. How good of a president do you have to be to get a day off of work? I mean, we're talking all-conference team presidents. So, like, are we eventually moving FDR into that category? You think he's a top six player this year? I mean, if we're doing six players, I should be getting six days off. I'd be liking if some a president who was born in March could have a day. I'd like a day off in March. That'd be great. Right, we got the new rankings this week. You want to, uh, I'll tell you what they're ranked now. You tell me what they were ranked last week. Sure, let's do it. Okay, so we have Marquette who came in at 10th this week. Last week they were 11th. And we have Xavier who is 16th. They were 16th last week. So they had a neutral week beating DePaul and losing to Marquette by one point. Yes, yes that makes sense. UConn moved up to 18th from 20th. And Creighton moves from 18th to 19th. Providence goes from 23rd to 20th. Anything jump out there? No, I'm glad to see all five in the top 20. I think that they're kind of where they belong. Uh, Providence had a really nice week. I wouldn't have been surprised to see him jump even further. Uh, did you see the one guy who didn't vote for him because they had no good non-con wins? Um, I did see some, him saying something about that. So he basically made up his mind in November. No matter what Providence did, he was never going to vote for Providence. Again. Some Providence fans pointed out that he had voted for them the previous week. So it's a little confusing. Well, Ryan, they didn't have any non-con wings this week. And have you even thought about that? <laughs> so a little strange. But, you know, at this point in the year, you just want to see teams, you know, in that top 25 and playing their best basketball because at the end of the day, they all get to play to uh, decide who the champion is. And four of those teams were on a five-line or higher for the NCAA's um, early look committee that they did. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just good to see that all of them would um, – ideally, all six to five teams would make the tournament and be wearing white on there um, to be signified that they would be the home team and the higher seed for um, – a first game of an NCAA tournament right now. So that's great. I mean, that's fantastic news as well. Yeah, I definitely think we should talk more about the seeding later in the program. Um, you want to jump right into... I was all about the seeding. We'll, we'll get back to it. Okay, as long as we can get back to it. Promise. All right. Um, so we are going to be doing today on offensive rating, picking our teams. I'm going to try to get Ryan. Um, I guess we'll go least to best offensive rating because we keep it on our team of the week. Um, because it doesn't make sense to start with the best offensive rating. Um, do you have a guess of who, and this is according to collegereference.com. Um, do you have a guess of who the worst offensive rating according to collegereference.com is? Oh, geez, I thought we were going to do it the other way. Uh, I suppose my guess for worst would be Butler. The Butler Bowl Dogs. You going to put one and a half on the clock? Let's do it. Butler played two games this week. Um, and Butler went 0-2. They lost to Villanova 62-50 on Valentine's Day. And then they have the dubious notion to losing to Georgetown um, yesterday 68-62 at the, on their home court. Yeah, this is just a brutal, brutal week for Butler after uh, beating Xavier at home. That looked like they were going to go into the Big East tournament kind of hot, kind of rolling. And this is just about as bad of a week as you could have uh, losing to Georgetown at home at Hinkle Fieldhouse. How happy do you think Butler is that they for DePaul or you know how grateful are they for DePaul right now because DePaul lost to Georgetown to break the seven hundred day oh, streak. Geez. I mean, if you lose lost to Butler for the first time at home and Hinkle Hill House is a good advantage, whereas Xavier just went to and lost. I mean, we'd be I mean we'd be talking about you know 
that modest job security. Do you think we have any conversations about that yet? No. I mean, you got to give these guys two years minimum. Um, so I don't think you're going to see anything, any decisions made after this year. Matter needs time to build a program. If you want to look at it optimistically, they're two and two in their last two weeks. They beat Xavier and um, St. John's the week before, and then they go 0-2 this week, losing to Georgetown and Nova. Yeah, they're coming off a really good week. Yeah. They're... Any chance this team gets hot and wins a few games of the Big East tournament? Not the way they played this week. So they're right now at the not. I know you don't want to talk about tournament seeding, but for Big East tournament seeding, they would be um, in the what nine spot right now. Um, that means they would be playing Wednesday, and they would be playing um, against the six seed, I believe. Um, no, the six would be playing the eleven. The seven would be playing the ten. The nine would be playing the eight. They'd be playing St. John's right now. They could win a game. Didn't they just lose? Did they get swept by St. John's? Uh, no, they beat St. John's at home the other day. They beat him at Hinkle Hill House and right. Joel Soriano in the, in the yeah. shot clock. Up. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm 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 pretty down on Marquette or uh, Butler right now, but still. All right, Ryan. Second smallest offensive rating. I didn't want to say the word worst um, of a Big East team according to CollegeReference.com. Watch it, watch it. Don't offend a fan base here. Is it? You better get these right. Seton Hall? It is the Seton Hall Blue Demons. You got two and a half on the clock? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, one and one this week. They beat Georgetown, which kind of seemed, Georgetown was in that game um, until really at the end. Kind of seemed like it saved their bubble opportunity. And then they lost to UConn at uh, Gamble this week. Offense, offense, Kadari Richmond's back. Or Kadari Richmond um, injury? Yeah, I think that's the first thing you want to talk about. Kadari Richmond got injured halfway through the UConn game. He's their best off- offensive piece, right? He's the only guy on the team that's able to take over a game if he's on. Uh, so they were already struggling. Uh, and Yeah, Casey Nadefo played really, really well, I thought, against UConn. Um, 38 minutes. He five rebounds, 13 points. He had some tough shots. He kind of took over the role of, um, creating his own shot. He was hitting layups over Donovan Klingon um, and things like that. I, I mean, Seton Hall is just really, really hamstrung offensively. Um, in a game where you shoot 39%, you're just not going to win, especially on the road, and you made three threes for the whole game. That doesn't win in 2023 for college basketball. I'll do you one better. I think they only made two threes in this game, according to my box score. Oh, I have t- two and a one. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, we're, we're talking about this team in a pretty – I don't want to say a negative light, but a negative light. Yeah, they're on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Yeah. According to every bracketologist I'm looking at, it, they've lost three of their last four, and they've got Xavier, Villanova, and you got this Providence uh, for their last three. They probably need to win two of those, and that's tough, especially because they're going to dunk. They dunk. Yeah. Well, Seton Hall right now, I go through bracket matrix a lot. Um, Seton Hall is there's a hundred brackets. Um, and Seton Hall right now is in zero of them. Yeah. So, um, without a doubt, looking on the wrong side of the bubble. They got to get hot here, and it's going to be really tough if Kadari Richmond can't play. They need to somehow lock up the five seed in the Big East over UConn um, to make sure they don't have to play Wednesday and Thursday as well. Might help them to play an extra game. Get it might help them win. play Georgetown. You're right, because the four seed is going to be miserable. So, do you think there's any validity to Seton Hall trying to go? Not trying. They want to win. There's an easier path for Seton Hall to be the sixth seed, play the three seed, which is going to be Xavier, Providence, Creighton, probably one of those three. Or do you, th- and, you know, get their win against Georgetown and then hope that helps? Is there any validity to trying to get hot, you think, of the Big East tournament? Yes, I think there's validity to try to get hot. Um, I don't know. It, it, you have to play the best at some point either way. So yeah. Holloway is coming down to the wire here. All right, right. Third worst, according to college reference, for the um, offensive rating. You've gotten all three right. I'm a little worried about the next fan base you offend. Is it the St. John's Red Storm? No, it is not. It is the DePaul Blue Demons. Okay. Right, put two and a or we're putting one and a half on the clock for DePaul. Yeah. Let's talk DePaul basketball. Who played St. John's? And a game that kind of went overshadowed because of everything that happened with earlier in that day um, with Creighton and Providence. It was on Valentine's Day. It was at late at night. 
Um, but they lost by nine against St. John's in a game that was a lot, lot closer than Double that. Double overtime. Yeah. And then they won in um they won or they lost against Xavier 68 to 82 in the backdoor cover because Emoja Gibson hit a three as time expired to bring it within 14. Yeah, they've lost eight in a row now yeah. after that big Xavier win. This season is about as bad as it could go for DePaul. It's much worse than their season last year. Um, not a lot of bright sides to talk about. You got anything? Javon Johnson, Emoja Gibson, um, continue to be studs. Um, your Noy missed last game with a hamstring injury. Tyler, how many stuff. combined years of eligibility do Gibson and Zero. Johnson have? Zero. We're a broken record at that point saying, you know, that the problem is that they're not bringing a lot of talent back next year um, other than Deshaun Nelson, Kalen Murphy. Jalen Terry did hit that three from about half court to bring it to overtime. Um, unfortunately, then they decided not to guard a Dewusu, who was playing incredibly well um, and scored 24 points. And they decided not to guard him, and he got an open three to bring it to. And they've overtime. decided not to guard a lot of people over the course of this year. Yeah, there. I mean, what do you? What does DePaul have to do to set themselves up for success next year? Do you need to see Caleb Murphy kind of go off these last few games? This. Jalen Terry, Desha- I mean, we love Deshaun Nelson. You know, I was in- I've been interested. We haven't seen that much of Ahmad Bynum, who is one of the top freshmen coming into this year. He was actually a red shirt. Um, I don't know if he's injured. He, he hasn't played at all recently. Zion Cruz, at least he's getting seven minutes. Um, Zion Cruz might go down as one of the bigger um, disappointments this year for college basketball. Yeah, Deshaun Nelson has another year. He'll be back. He's fun to watch. Yeah. Give me all the Deshaun Nelson uh, content you have right now. Yep. All right, right. You have the next. This would be the fourth from the bottom offensive rating. This one surprised me. Um, so I'm going to guess it's not St. John's. It's not St. John's. So I'll say the Villanova Wildcats. It is the Georgetown Hoyas. Oh, is this where they come in? I would have thought Georgetown, because they are known for their offense, would have been a little bit higher on this list. All right, right. Two and a half on the – or one and a half on the clock for Georgetown. Uh, just to be clear, we've shortened it a little bit for um, some of these teams just because some of the conversations are starting to get repetitive. Yeah, at this point in the season, there's not too much to add about the Georgetown Hoyas. If you feel like we're leaving something out, though, let us know what we should be talking about on here, um, and we will definitely include it. Georgetown played two games this week. Georgetown won a game this week. Um, they beat Butler at Hinkle Hill House. Want to talk big picture? Want to talk small picture? What do you want? Curtis Wahab situation is really interesting. Like, that's probably the most interesting thing happening in Georgetown line right now. Yeah, for sure. He came off the bench in this game. And played really well. I mean, 14 points, 8 rebounds. This was probably his best game in a long time. Um, For those who don't know, Curtis Wahab left the team. um, And he was not there um, for the game before um, against Seton Hall. And then all of a sudden he came back and was on the bench. Is this as happy of an ending as there could have been for this? situation yeah it's a bizarre situation a lot of the situations in georgetown are pretty bizarre right now um he played more minutes than half of the starters so you want to know what i thought was funny um again i don't have a whole lot to say good for them that they won their first game on the road in a long time um but michael DeRosa, who writes with you at uh road to the garden big butler fan right and he was talking about how georgetown came out after the second half and looked really tired and he said the low energy, except for one person. Guess who that person on Georgetown was who was not low energy? Is it a cook a cook? It's a cook a cook. Man, get, that man, I think he sprints to class. He must sprint to class all around campus because he is wired different. That is a great piece. Also, I'd like to add, I know exactly what we should be talking about for Georgetown. I don't know how to say Fire Patrick Ewan in different language. Georgetown legend Mac McClung wins the dunk contest this week. <laughs> Matt McClung transferred more times than Curtis Wahab. <laughs> Was it just? I think it was just twice. Matt McClung went to Texas Tech. Yeah, I think it's um, right. And then didn't he go? He didn't go to West Virginia. No, he um, uh, he went to the NBA out of Texas Tech. Um, yeah, I mean, some of his dunks were cool. Did you see any of it? The one right over two people. The one where he did the seven twenty in midair, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he kind of deserved the win there. Yeah, he's um, least amount of NBA games to ever win a dunk contest since. Well, the least ever, but who was. Do you know who had the first place before that? No. Kobe Bryant. What? Matt McClung won with two. Kobe had 41 and did it in his rookie year. So <laughs> a little different. A little bit different, but an interesting tidbit nonetheless. All right, Ryan. Our fifth from the bottom offensive rating. 
is going to be St. John's. It is the St. John's Red Storm. We're doing two and a half or one and a half? Because there's some big picture talking points against St. John's. Um, St. John's beat DePaul in that game we talked about and referenced earlier. And then they lost to um, Creighton in a game that, I don't know, it was a 10-point win, but it felt like um, it was a lot closer than that at the time. Yeah, Arthur Kaluma came up huge for Creighton and put it away, but St. John's was right there. I do think we should give some credit in this DePaul, DePaul double overtime win. Adai Wusu was fantastic. He that, hits the And Mike Anderson drew up a hell of a last play. For Posh to set three screens, and then he set a fade screen for you know Adai Wusu to catch that ball and shoot it when everybody in the building thought it was going to AJ Store. Yeah. Um, um, Soriano has 21 points, 16 rebounds. That was a really nice performance, but let's go ahead and talk about what, what needs yeah, to be Yeah, so about. Curbelo and Pinzone both suspended. Um, you can argue that Curbelo and Pinzone have both looked this year like the best player at certain points on the team. Um, have had flashes of being really great. Let's say that. Yeah, Pinzone was the best player in the um, UConn game. UConn game. Is, yeah. um, Pinzone posted on St. John's Twitter, or not St. John's Twitter, on his own Instagram or Twitter or one of those, and said, basically, I can't believe there are college coaches out there who get jobs and because my high school coach knew more than most college coaches. That'll get you suspended. Um, Curbelo seems to not be sure why he's suspended, though. You saw the Zach Bra- Brazler, um quotes where he came out and said, I'm suspended, but I'm not sure why, pretty much. He said, are you still on the team? And Curbelo said, I'm here, aren't I? And then Brasler said, why aren't you playing? And Curbelo said, you tell me. Yeah, I mean. Not healthy dialogue. No, I mean, the fact that Cur- Here's the question. Does Curbelo actually know I suspended and Curbelo's just being Curbelo? I don't know. I have heard from a Johnny's insider that he wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Curbelo or Pinzone for the rest of the season. The Pinzone one makes sense because it was so overt. The Curbelo one's odd because he's with the team. Curbelo is locked into the team and cheering. He's a big cheerleader right now on the bench. Oh. Uh, I mean, the Ander, the St. John stuff has approached Georgetown levels of, um, I don't want to say a mean word, but just the inability to do, you know, ineptitude. Yeah, disorganization. Yeah. It's, it's a drama in New York City for sure. Yeah. Uh, odds that we see Curbelo or Pinzone again this year, you say low. Odds that they both transfer. I think Pinzone's gone for sure. He hasn't got any usage at St. John's either. Curbelo, yeah, uh, it's a good chance there too. Yeah. Curbelo is, uh, and he's already familiar with the transfer portal. Yeah. I would say at least Curbelo's getting playing time. Curbelo's look good at times too. That's the frustration. I mean, I know Illinois fans are. If we have an Illinois fan listening, like, that's the problem. He looks good yeah. sometimes. But I don't know. In the right system, could Carbello be a lead guard? I think so. No? I do. I do. I think so, but I don't think the St. John's system was ever the right system. No, for him. I agree. All right, Rye. Are we doing the next one? Yes, my guess for the next worst offensive rating would be. Now the, we could just say in the middle of the pack would be the Villanova Wildcats. The Villanova Wildcats come in at number six on our list of Big East offensive ratings, according to Sports Reference. And Villanova played two games this week, and they beat Butler 62-50, and they lost to Providence 72-85. to For me, I know we're doing two and a half on Villanova. The conversation has gotten very repetitive. Results don't matter at this point. It's only about looking healthy for the Big East tournament because I legitimately think that even if they had won almost every game under Justin Moore, they were not going to get in. I agree. I do want to say that they looked um, – they had a flash there in the Providence game. Early in the second half, they came da- back from down um, maybe eight or, or nine points at yeah. one point to, to briefly take the lead. Um, and Justin Moore looked like his old self. Cam Whitmore had some flashes there. You can see it in spurts, but then the team, you know, the defense wasn't great. They lost their man a few too many times. They gave up too many open shots. Um, and they're going to the gauntlet right now. They just play Providence. They go play Xavier. Then they are playing Creighton. Then they are playing Seton Hall. Um, they just have, you know, hard game. I'm sorry, excuse the Creighton one. They have Xavier, and then they play um, against Seton Hall. Um, and then they play against Creighton. So they're, they're going through a gauntlet right now. I mean, are they – the more battle tested they come, obviously, is better. But 
I don't know. For me, again, the conversation is very repetitive about what to do with that. But listen to what um, Caleb Daniels and Justin Moore shot in that Providence game, 2 of 14 from 3. Yeah. They haven't been as efficient as they need to be. Yeah, um, I mean, they're not going to win any games getting that from their two best scorers. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Mark Armstrong, I've been impressed still looking, you know, in certain uh, situations. He looks like he's going to probably be the lead point guard next year um, with Longino and Eric Dixon all both returning. So that gets me excited for Villanova. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying – if they had the full team this year, I think that, like, they have all the pieces. They just haven't got it. And we have it from a pretty reliable source that Justin Moore is not planning on coming back next year. Right. So, I mean, listen, I'm not going to give the source, but that's very reliable that, you know, he's looking to go pro um, at the end of this year. Yeah, but I wonder, he's not getting any looks from the pros. I wonder if that changes his mind. Yeah. Do you think he considers transferring? No, I don't think he needs to. I think he's getting all the playing time he wants at Villanova, I think. Like, the system fits. Yeah, well, the system's made around him. should be around him right now. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he's a really good guard playing out of the post, um, which is, you know, so much of what Villanova does. All right, right. The fifth best Big East offensive rating, according to Sports Reference, is? I'm going to go the Creighton Blue Jays. Are you cheating now? No. I guess we're down to a certain amount of teams where – it's possible. You are correct. Creighton played. You gonna put two and a half on the clock? Yeah. Creighton played two games this week. Creighton lost to Providence in that double overtime thriller, and Creighton beat St. John's um seventy seven sixty seven on Saturday night. So I think the first thing we need to talk about is Ryan Nemhard. Ryan Nemhard's really good at basketball, huh? Ryan Nemhard just took over the game. For, Crafty for Creighton down the stretch. Plays a little like Steve Nash, um, where he never gives up his dribble around the rim. A lot of scoop shots, um. Kind of an undersized guard who knows he can't rely just necessarily on his athleticism to get his shots up. Yeah, he hit a few deep shots in this game yeah. too. I mean, this was one of the most impressive performances. This is probably the best game I've seen him yeah. play all year. Um, let's see. Yeah, he went 2 of 5 from 3, 21 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, and he just completely owned that game down to stretch. Yeah. Uh, this game was so even. Creighton wins the first half by 1. Providence wins the second half by one, tied the overtime. Here's the issue for Creighton. Their depth is so limited that when double overtime hit, it was so apparent that they were gassed. They only scored two points. Um, you know, that there was definitely an issue there. I don't know, you know, they Mason Miller has shown some ability to, you know, keep this team afloat at a certain point. Frederick King, Sharif Mitchell, but they went eight deep. And in a double overtime game, they only got 15 minutes from their bench. Nemhard, 47 minutes. Trey Alexander, 49 minutes. Arthur Kaluma, 47 minutes. Ryan Kochbrenner, 45 minutes. Baylor Scheinman, 47 minutes. Oh, uh, yeah. They looked gas in that double overtime. Did you see? You saw the trap play. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> was it a foul? Yeah. I The way that Hopkins was going after the ball, I thought they had a foul to get. I'll be honest. I thought there was a trap situation, you know. He has a foul to give. Let's go for it. Um, when I found out that he was just actually trying to trap the ball hard, I was kind of like very risky. Trey did step on the line, which would have been a backcourt violation. At the same time, I would have thought a foul would have been, should have been called there, in my opinion. Yeah. And how close was that Arthur Kaluma lob to going in? Yeah, right there. I mean, they're right. Yeah, the end of game execution was a little lacking for Creighton, to be honest. Here's the thing. I noticed after watching um, some random conferences this weekend, just happened to be on the TV, nobody draws good plays up at the end of regulation. Yep. Like, if you think your team's bad at that, post, you know, end of game execution, everybody's saying the same thing. It's like in baseball, when they say, we don't have enough starting pitching, every team is saying, we don't have enough starting pitching. It's just something to keep in mind. And listen, I, the team that are going to win in March are going to be able to execute. But sometimes the players just need to take over and make a great play. Um, and Providence kind of had that in the second overtime. Yeah, but Creighton had a lot of opportunities. You'd like to see them. I mean, they could have put that game away long before it got to double OT. But yeah. what are you going to do? Um, oh, Creighton. and we didn't even mention, they go into St. John's, beat St. John's in a really good game. Uh, and Arthur Klum was playing some of his best basketball of the season. Yeah, that pump fake, I mean, the way that he is one of the more – I'm interested how it always is so effective. 
drilled three threes down the stretch that pump fake's going to be even more lethal showing that tape. Okay. Ryan, next fourth best Big East offense, according to College Reference? I believe that would belong to your UConn Huskies. No, it's Providence. We're not doing them, though, because we're saving them for team of the week. So go for three. UConn Huskies. No. Xavier? It is the Xavier Musketeers. Ryan, do you want to put two and a half on the clock? Talk about the Xavier Musketeers who had a big week. They go one and one. They lose at Marquette in what was a fantastic game. Ends up being a one-point game. Uh, Marquette, at the last moment, is able to um, take the lead and, and oh, pull it off. Huh? Omax. Yeah, Omax with the with the putback there. None, like to see Nunji box out there. And um, and then they go back home. DePaul comes to visit, and they smack the doors off of DePaul in what was never really a close game. They looked pissed off that they had lost to DePaul once. Um, they came in and just absolutely annihilated them. Uh, Xavier showed me something. I was worried. I had Fremantle as Big East first team mid-year at the mid-year. I was very worried when he went down. And to lose Desmond Claude on a team that's already kind of a little bit um, shaky on depth, they are – I mean, they're a very, very, very good team. And they looked hungry at the beginning of that game. Their defense was everywhere. They come out to a really strong start. And, uh, you know, I want to give Adam Kunkel a shout-out. Four steals – and he was getting his hands into everything. He he played really well defensively, and that's not usually his calling card. And they held Marquette to 38% shooting. Marquette, we haven't talked about Marquette for a reason, because Marquette is the best offense in the Big East. You know, they there's something that Sean Miller has gotten this team to buy into where they are starting to round into shape right at the exact right time. It's like he has planned this, and when Fremantle comes back, I mean, I, I personally think Xavier's going furthest of any Big East team in March. That's my take right now on it. Yeah, I think um, I think that the, the level that the defense is playing at is really impressive. A piece I really like that Sean Miller did, he put Colby Jones on Tyler Kolick for the entire game, and Jones was just in his jock strap. Yeah, and, Co- and Kolick still had a nice game. Um, he but, went for 15 and 5 and 8. But uh, Sully Boom, I was interested in how he'd play. Um, he's kind of had some rough shooting games lately. He shot the lights out, played all 40. And that's that's what they have. He played all 40 minutes, and they only went seven. They only went six deep, really. Kiki Tandy got 24, and Cesar Edwards got five minutes. Yeah, too many turnovers. Two turnovers in the last minute, which ends up losing them the game. But they played a really nice game. And, uh, well, you know, he's that. Are there moral victories at this point for Xavier? Yeah, I think you keep it close enough and you beat a team like them. Um, you beat a team – or you play with Marquette that closely. I think there's absolutely more victory um, because you know that against any team in the country right now, even shorthanded, you can compete. All right, Rad, there's only two teams left we haven't talked about yet. Who is in second place on your Big East offensive rating? Well, I know that Marquette has the best offensive rating, one of the best in the country, so I will say the UConn Huskies. UConn comes in second, and they had another bye week, which I thought was weird. They didn't – they played – they went Saturday to Saturday without a game, um, and they won – they beat Seton Hall at stores 64-55. to I, I mean, I'd say that UConn looked pretty good in both halves um, to beat a Seton Hall team like that. They were up 16 at the end of that game, and Seton Hall uh, made a few – Shots to make it close, Hurley even said that it was more of a 15-point win. What do you want to start with the Huskies? Yeah, it was a revenge game for them, I thought. And they came out um, hungry for this one, and they looked like they wanted to win. Um, I want to pull up a stat for you. For me? In November, December, and January, UConn was averaging 11 offensive rebounds a game. So far in February, 16 in the quarter. That's a big difference. They're taking a step up, um, rebounding the ball. Andre Jackson has gone back to the – Last year, me and you laughed because there were some times where he would just take re- rebounds away from Whaley and Sonogo. He's gone back to the balls in the air. It's my ball. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hit my head on the rim rebounding if I have to. And he had 10 rebounds in this game. He has four offensive rebounds. And then you throw in Donovan Klingon, who has six rebounds in 15 minutes. He might be the best rebounder in the country. Well, Zach Eady's in the country. but Yes. Might be the second best rebounder in the country. Not named Zach Eady. Um, it looks like a formula that 
could be better for them than the formula they were using uh, through most of conference play. I was impressed the way that Hurley ran Jackson off of the ball a lot more. That and the what Jackson still went oh of three from three, I believe. Oh of four. Um, the four that he missed, Hurley had a good point. Those were the threes that he wanted to see him taking: catch, shoot, none of this jab, step in, step back three. This was Andre Jackson. Some people were saying this was Andre Jackson's best game as a pro or not a pro as a college player. If UConn gets an Andre Jackson like this, they are going to win the Big East tournament. Yeah, I think this UConn team is elite in transition. They don't always play in transition, but they're really good in transition. And Andre Jackson is probably the best transition player in the Big East. They stopped them in this game running the ball through Sonogo, and they ran it through Hawkins a lot more. Um, Hawkins shot poorly from three, but a few of those dunks, if you can do that, and listen, this is my little UConn bias coming out. Madison Square Garden is going to have a lot of UConn fans there. If you can do that and get the crowd moving and making it feel like more of a home game, you're going to have that environment. And those massive dunks at those situations really got Gamble jumping. Yeah, they're playing up on Hawkins, trying to – prevent him from shooting to save their life. And Hawkins just going right past him, and he's getting a lot of looks at the rim. Um, I did put out a note. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, it's because Twitter went down on Saturday for a while um, that RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin, and James Booknight were all there. I'm at the UConn game, and all three of them would be eligible to be playing on this UConn team right now if they had all decided to stay. I did not know Booknight was there. I did see Cole and Martin. They kept Booknight out of the front row because okay. <laughs> of what had happened. Last year, I believe. Um, and Christian Vital was there, which I know he has that special place in your heart. UConn has won four of their last five. They're uh, they're looking pretty good. They got Providence coming. I in. was just going to say, we don't normally look forward like that. Is a UConn-Providence game. Here's what I'm going to say about this game. The It's not the biggest game in the Big East. It's probably not going to be the best game because we've had so many good ones. But the narrative switches so drastically depending on the outcome of this game. Yeah, this is UConn's last chance to end the season as an elite team. Yes. And if UConn wins and beats Providence at home, UConn is like in that breath with Xavier, Marquette, Creighton, because then they would have literally done what all the other guys did, win all their games at home. Well, they lost to Xavier at home. Yes, other than Xavier, right? But if they lose, UConn, I think, is clearly a step below them and like in a different tier than them. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. I think that this is their last chance to like really finish the season strong. They definitely want to win here. And you don't want to get punked by the Friars for two years in yeah. a row. Does Andre Jackson guard Bryce Hopkins for this game? I think he's too – Um, You don't think he's strong enough? Too thin. Yep. So they're going to put Carabin back on him? Well, Samson Johnson? The way that Bryce Hopkins ate Carabin alive that last game, I don't know if you can do that. I think they're going to put Jackson on him and say – and tell Andre Jackson, look at these Gamble fans, and you got you got a ball out. All right, right. We have one last team to talk about before we talk about our team of the week, which was Mar- our Providence. But we're going to talk about Marquette Golden Eagles, who have the best offensive rating in the Big East. Right, Marquette played one game this week. Marquette got one win this week, and they beat Xavier um, 69 to 68. And now they enter their bye week. And what ends up being a fantastic game. Um, and so the first thing I'm going to throw out is just like. Sean Miller put Colby Jones on Tyler Kolick. Shaka Smart put Stevie Mitchell on Sully Boom. And what did Stevie Mitchell do? Had six steals. Yeah. And listen, did did Mitchell get Boom every time? No, because Boom ends up with 20 points. But Sully Boom is also maybe the player of the year for the Big East. But <laughs> six steals. Yeah. I, and, you know. Uh, and seven, and the leading scorer. And Xavier struggled with um, turnovers. And that's yeah. all Stevie Mitchell. Yeah, and, he, and also he's a leading scorer. I thought that was a fantastic game plan, and Shaka Smart's really going into his bag. Yeah, it's it's times with this where the coaches are starting to really um, – when you play a team the second time, you really have to kind of switch up some game plan. And you saw that in, with Shaka and Sean Miller um, in this game. Tyler Kolick, this was a player of the year game, you could say. Kolick versus Boom. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that both of them come in 1-2 for the uh, Big East player of the year. And Kolick was good. Um you know, he wasn't the most efficient shooting, but a win is a win, and that's what Tyler Kolick is going to go home and be happy about. So let's talk about Oso Iguodaro. Six offensive rebounds, and he's back to this thing where he's tapping the ball out. He just reaches yeah. up, and, he, and he, he'll tap it straight to Kolick or one of his guards back there, which ends up probably being the difference in the game. According to Shaka Smart, they shot 
but the 15 offensive rebounds. And then, and then if we're just going to move down the list, we have to talk about that Omax tipping. Yeah, I mean, you you're losing that game without that Omax tipping. That was an evenly played game. Um, and Omax flies out of nowhere, um, kind of dunks the ball in uh, off of Cam Jones' mess. Who Cam Jones really struggled that game. For Marquette, I'm on like what Providence was last year is Marquette for me. Like, just win. I don't care what it looks like. The metrics like Marquette a lot more, but yeah. just win. I did notice Xavier, and I texted you this, so you already know what I'm going to say. Um, Xavier was playing pretty far off Iguodaro to start the game, using that to kind of clog up the lanes, not let Kolek get downhill. Do you think that's a winning formula against him going forward? Yeah, I mean, not letting him get downhill. No, 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 playing way off Iguodaro so that you clog the paint. It, it's been a – Shaka's going to laugh because it's been a winning strategy for teams when they've done that against other – you know, there's been a lot of that recently in the Big East. Andre Jackson has played very far off of. I I just – Isaiah Whaley last year was played really far off of. It works until it doesn't, until you have a day where Casey Nadefo hit four threes in a row. You know, it works until it doesn't. I think because Shaka Smart has done it so many times, he's going to have a counter to it um, quicker than most co- coaches, in my opinion. Yeah, they do like to, uh, you know, take Iguodaro up to the top of the key and let him facilitate from there, but it doesn't work as well when his guy who's guarding him was Jack Nunji, and this game is standing right under the hoop. Jack Nunji? And, uh, you know, kind of preventing cuts to the basket. All right, Rye, that Stay tuned for our team of the week. Introducing the first Big East Barroom sponsor, DMOR Designs. Um, this is a company that we are lucky to partner with who comes with custom apparel, tees, jerseys, hoodies. Um, one of the best people that we know, too. Um, this company, what I was thinking when we, you know, they asked to partner with us is they are literally a college kid's dreams because they're going to do custom shirts for you. They're going to have your rec sport team or your intramural sport team looking great. And they're going to do it at an affordable rate and a company that you can trust. So that's kind of where I was thinking, you know, when we were originally partnered with them. Yeah. If you play rec sports and you want like a fun shirt for all of your boys to wear to the rec sports, you know, if like you want like a golden Eagle shirt with a big golden Eagle, if you're a Marquette fan or wherever you want, you know, hit up the more designs. That's what they do. They're some of the best in the business. Like hats, jerseys, sweatshirts, water bottles. Like you can get anything you want from them. And where can we find them? Good question. Thank you for asking, listener. DMOR Designs on Instagram. DMOR Designs website is in our show notes. DMOR Designs, I just posted about it on Twitter. Go find them. Go look them up. Because honestly, at the end of the day, we wouldn't be endorsing a product we don't like. Half of my shirts are from DMOR Designs at some time or the other. And honestly, like they're also comfortable enough to wear. So go buy your DMOR Design stuff and go get your team ready to go. Okay, Big East fans, we are lucky enough to be joined by someone who knows a little bit about how Providence Week went. Devin Carter is here to talk the 2-0 Providence Friars week that was. So, Devin, you get two wins this week. That game on Valentine's Day, man, I think you were responsible for a lot of breakups because people were probably tuning in to watch that game. (laughs) (laughs) No, that game was crazy. I mean, the amp was going absolutely insane. Is I got to ask the question before, is the amp just always like, you know, when you guys play any game at the amp, it seems like you guys feed off that. Is that, was that particularly evident in this game? This is like, I don't think people understand how big, like our our community and, and crowd really is when it comes down to us playing a Saturday game at 4 PM or Friday night game at 7 PM. Like, I don't think they understand that, like how, much it means to them and how much it means to us for them supporting us the way that they do. So, I mean, it's definitely big time the way that they do the thing that they do. And it's just, couldn't, that's another reason why I, I came here because Cody was telling me, you know, it's sold out every game and community loves you guys. And uh, it's just great. So, and did he over exaggerate it at all, Devin? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, Cody's gonna over exaggerate some things, but. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he was over exaggerating that. Yeah, that is actually how it is. Yeah, and so, speaking of big time, your performance that day. I mean, you go for twenty five points, eight rebounds, two blocks. I mean, do you get geared up a little bit differently when you know you're playing a top, you know, top echelon team like Creighton? Um, I feel like 
the whole our whole team just knew that it was a must win game for us. You know, we kind of uh, we let we dropped one at St. John's the uh, last week. So I mean, I, we just all came into practice the next day, and we just knew that it was like we is is right now. Like we still have a chance to win the Big Big East title. So I mean, it was just everybody locking in. You drilled three threes in that game. I don't know if you know this. That's the most you've hit all year in a single game. Mm -hmm. Too early. What's kind of going through your head when you have your outside shot going there? Um, it it just it, I feel like it just opens up the lane for me to drive now because you know I, now they have to respect the shot. You know, uh, Creighton they they made an adjustment in the second half uh to go over, but the first half they weren't they were going under the screen. So I mean I'm gonna shoot it, but I mean it's just it's, it definitely gives me a confidence boost to the rest of my game. You know. I mean, just like everybody else, when they're hitting shots, their defense picks up too. So, I mean, is it difficult playing like against the Creighton when you know when you get downhill that you're facing a seven foot, you know, guy in Ryan Cockburner, or is it, you know, just another game? You guys are just keeping the same, you know, mindset. Um, I mean, we we always want to attack the rim against Creighton. I mean, it's the once you get past. Uh, the first first person or something, you know, obviously you have Cockburn down down low ready to block the shot. So I mean, it's just it's gonna be two on one, you, uh, him and my big Ed or Cliff or Slim. But I mean, uh, nah, it's just you just gotta upset. You just can't go up scared, really. I mean, at the end of the day, if he blocks your shot, he blocks your shot. I mean, how many is he gonna keep blocking? Uh, that's the way I look at it. Yeah, absolutely, and um. You know, you're defensively, you're put on Shireman for most of the game, right? Yeah, yeah, that was my assignment, yeah. But at, then at the end of the first overtime, you take Ryan Nemhart for a couple possessions in a row. Um, yeah. Can you talk about what that conversation was like and, and kind of where you were at? Um, I mean, we just obviously, um, Nemhart, he was, he had a, he had a rolling. I mean, I think he scored probably like three buckets in a row. Or I forgot how many, two or three. And then, you know, I just went up to my assistant coaches. Uh, I just told him, I was like, let me guard him. Like, cause I, like, I just, I, I was, I was, I was just watching in the corner of the moves he was doing. And I, like, when I'm on the court, I watch other people's moves while I'm guarding my player. So if I have to guard them, I know what they're doing. Plus, we have the scout report and everything, too. So, I mean, I'm just sitting there looking at the moves he's doing. I'm like, I, I go up to him, I say, I got y'all. He's not going to score no more. So that's why I switched on him. And, you know, I think Providence fans might clip that and just play it over and over. <laughs> hey, you're not, you know, people love to hear that you're going to take, you're taking their best player right now. I got him and I'm going to shut him down. And you kind of did. Yeah. Yeah. How much does it mean to you to be that defensive stopper? How much pride do you take in that? Oh, uh, I take a lot of pride because I mean, at the end of the day, you know, my teammates, they, they count on me to go, go out there every night and guard the other team's best player, you know, shut them down. And, you know, even if, uh, like I get blown by, you know, I give my teammates a lot of credit because they're right there in the gap and help to help me out. Just, I mean, if, if they can make a good move or something, I gamble for it still, you know, they're right there to help me out. So I give a lot of credit to my teammates too. And feel free to not answer this, but double overtime, are you guys dragging a little bit at the end there? I mean, you guys came out and scored 11 points again. Uh, I mean, Coach, Coach White, our, um, our strength coach, I mean, he – uh. He prepares us for for moments like that for sure because I mean we'll finish a workout we all think we're done so let's go grab a jump rope so we're just like it's always like you know it's never stopping and you know we're doing a lot of conditioning stuff in practice with us like running and uh, just doing like layup drills full court and stuff getting timed so I mean I definitely feel like we're probably one of the most best conditioned teams in the country. Oh, that's great stuff. That was a great game. Um, we're just gonna briefly touch on Villanova. Uh, you had 12 points, five rebounds, but you had a little early foul trouble. Uh, what's kind of the mindset that you try to bring in when you have to sit early and then you're trying to come back in the game to affect it? Um, I mean, I was just in, I, 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 st I started to go down to the end of the bench so I could stretch, you know, because I, I knew he's going to call my number again. And uh, obviously I, I wasn't planning on going back in too much the first half. So, you know, I mean, once you get two fouls, you only get five. So, I mean, I'm obviously always ready for my numbers call, but, you know, I'm just sitting at the end of the bench chair on my teammates and stretching and stuff, trying to stay loose. And then I knew second half that uh, I was going to have to try to turn it up a notch, and I feel like I definitely did that. Yeah, for sure. And Bryce Hopkins goes for at least 20 and 10. I don't have it in front of me, but he had 20 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, what's it like sharing the court with a guy of his caliber? Um, I mean, it's 
it, it's it's a lot. I mean, you get it's hard to watch people guard him and and foul forget like he being fouled and not getting calls and stuff. I mean, I feel like he's one of the most dynamic players in the country, and like you know, whenever he drives, it's like he's a big body too. So like, but he's also very quick. Has a very quick first step. I mean, I feel like uh, he's just a great player, though. You know, I mean, obviously it helps whenever you have people around him like Noah. And Jared and and me now like stretching the floor, hitting shots, and then, I mean it's definitely uh definitely great time playing with him. Yeah, it's a great point. And Noah Locke had a seven point uh, run by himself in the middle of that too. Um, he seems like when he gets hot, he's the best, one of the best shooters in the country. I mean, I see it every day in practice. Like if he's if he's hot, I mean, I'm giving him the ball from half court, like just shoot it. Like I I got faith that it's going in. You know, if you miss it, shoot the next one. Because I mean, at the end of the day, I mean that's what that's what God blessed him to do. So I mean, he's definitely doing a great job of that. Yeah, well, it's great stuff, and uh, and we just want to look forward a little bit. Uh, you mm. coming to UConn on Wednesday night? Are you guys amped up for that one? Yeah, I mean, at this point, we we all realize that you know we got to win the rest of these games coming up. All these games are big games, and like playing against Georgetown, that's a big game. I mean, so not just UConn or Xavier. You know, we still got to play these other like each team in the Big East is, has ability to beat anybody. So I mean, it's definitely a gonna be a tough uh, next four games that we have, but we're definitely ready for it. All right, that's great. We really want to thank Devin Carter for joining the Big East Barroom. Talk Providence hoops. Make sure to check out the full interview for our to hear our lightning round with Devin coming up next. All right, right. So you know what that means we brought it back this week for our mail time. You ready to hear what the listeners had to say? Yeah, let's get some questions. All right. Seton Hall Ethan, one of our favorites on Twitter. How does Seton Hall's NIT run look? Good or bad? But in all seriousness, how far into the Big East tournament do they need to slip into the field? And what are the chances of them winning the Big East tournament? Uh, I was talking to my favorite bracketologist. What we think right now is they need to win two of their last three plus one game in the Big East tournament, probably get some in. Yeah, I I don't see a path right now. Um, They're not even on the bubble, according to bracket matrices. Um, So I think... If they win two games in the Big East tournament, they'll get in. All right. CBB Gal says front runners of player of the year, defensive player of the year, and coach of the year. Oh, I'm going to take Suli Boom. I'm going to take Devin Carter. And I'm going to take Shaka Smart. I think I'm going to take Cork Brenner and Smart. I think for my player of the year as of today, give me Bryce Hopkins. Over Boom and you think Boom and Cola cancel out the um, point card vote? I think Bryce Hopkins has come on really strong recently. Yuli yeah. says, does Jaden Taylor deserve sixth man of the year? Yeah, he's trending like it, but he uh, he started this last game, I believe. Did he? I don't, I'm never great with the, who's a starter versus who's not. Jerome Hunter has fallen off a little, just not the same. Um, that award is going to be interesting. David Joplin deserves to be like right there. Um Donald Klingon is still in the conversation. Jaden Taylor has as good of a shot as anybody. Right now, I'll still go with Jerome Hunter. Uh, Tom Foolery says, I assume you'll address why the preliminary brackets don't seem to show respect for the conference. Um, also, can we put Cooley to Georgetown rumor at rest? I have no inside information. I have been told that Ed Cooley's dream job was to be a Providence. Me and you have repeatedly said that. You don't leave your dream job. For a fixer-upper. If he wouldn't leave Providence for Michigan, why would he leave Providence for Georgetown? Georgetown's a mess. Other than I, his daughter goes to Georgetown. Yeah, Does that pull at the heartstrings or not? But doesn't she graduate next year? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the Ed Cooley family tree. Um, what did you think of the seating? I think I, I think it's ridiculous the way they're treating Providence. Whether or not Providence has out-of-conference wins or not, they have like four losses on the season or like – they they have had a incredibly good season. To have them at a seven is ridiculous. Um, that's discounting what the Big East rate is right now. I was very surprised that they don't have UConn in the top four. And my reason I'm not saying let's not let's get over. There's no merit either way. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is I have been told repeatedly that the big that the tournament committee looks at net and Ken Palm. 
So if they're not looking at Net and Ken Palm, why the hell do Net and Ken Palm exist? Because they're not... That those aren't indicative of what's going to happen. Well, I will say Ken Palm is a third-party stat, and, and that's created by Ken Pomeroy. Net is specifically created for helping them seed. And UConn's like eighth right now. Um, they also look at Q1, Q2 opportunities. They get really into that. I was also surprised. I'm not a bracketologist, but everybody I read had them in the top four. Two-point podcast said, would love to know true potential in your guys' opinion for UConn as a Final Four team. I think me and Tyler are going to have pretty different opinions yep. here. I am pretty low on UConn at this point in the season. I feel like they've shown their weakness repeatedly, and other teams have the tape on it to capitalize um, on a night where they're not shooting the lights out like they did against Marquette. They're not a great offensive team. Uh, UConn is ranked second in the Big East for offensive rating. Um, I think Ryan always, like when you coach your kid harder in basketball, Ryan is hard on them. Um, I think UConn has shown they have the highest ceiling of any team in the Big East. I'm getting up to number two in the country. Um, every net rating had him at number one or two, too, so it wasn't just AP. Uh, Nick Ireland said of the top four or five teams in the Big East, which team has the most gain from a long run in the Big East tournament and which team has the most to lose from a first or second round exit, from well, the first four or five teams in the top Big East? I'll go right back and I'll say UConn, if they can get hot in a Big East tournament, if they can regain the form they had early season non-conference schedule – I mean, didn't they, they are again national champion contenders? When, when we're talking about and we're talking about home teams, UConn wants to be in the East so badly they need to figure out a way to play themselves in the East and play in Albany and Madison Square Garden um, for the Big East tournament. Um, if we're talking five, if Seton Hall loses early, they're done. Yeah, uh, and Xavier, I've seen some weird Xavier things where they're kind of like on a four line, but Xavier could play themselves into a three pretty easily. I think Xavier's right for the NCAA tournament tomorrow. They're battle-tested. They've played Indiana, Duke, Gonzaga, and the entire Big East, and they have a coach who knows what he's doing in the NCAA tournament. Providence would do really well with a big run because they're at the lowest seed right now of the top five, um, getting them into a top five seed. And they need a couple um, wins away from the dunk. Um, Ryan Steffens asked again about the committee thing yesterday, 16 teams. I didn't really get your point of view. Do you think uh, anything was wrong? With the 16 teams? I know you said UConn, but is there anything else that caught your eye? Yeah, I think Marquette should be a three seed. I thought that was disrespectful to Marquette. I thought, in general, it was pretty disrespectful to the Big East. All right. Uh, who ends up winning the regular season title? Brady Emanuel asked. ML, sorry. I think it's a split between Marquette and Creighton. Um, I think Marquette wins. I think they have the clearest path to win right now. And they're favored to win, actually. Mm-hmm. Which would be unfortunate for some bets that I put in. All right, Rye. That does it for this week of the Big East Bar Room. We appreciate everything and you guys listening. Rate, review, subscribe, and like um, on Instagram, on Twitter. Go check out DMOR Designs. They've been fantastic working with us. Um, yeah, great having you guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you again next Tuesday. And as always, thanks for pulling up a stool. <laughs>